1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 1. And David fled from Naoth and Ramah, and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father, that he seeketh my life? David is really confused, and while Saul is laying on the ground prophesying against his will, David leaves that area and goes to Jonathan and says, Why is your father trying to kill me? Two, and he said unto him, Far from it, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father doeth nothing, either great or small, but that he discloseth it unto me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? Let it not so. Jonathan is confident that Saul would never try to kill David without telling Jonathan first. This isn't true, but this is what Jonathan believes. Because in the past, he's always told Jonathan everything. But at this point, Jonathan and Saul don't have the same relationship. Because Saul hates David and Jonathan loves David. 3. And David swore moreover, and said, Thy father knoweth well that I have found favor in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. David is correcting Jonathan, and he's saying, No, you don't realize that your father isn't telling you the truth anymore. He really does want to kill me. But because you love me, that's why he's not telling you what's going on. And I'm running for my life. 4. Then said Jonathan unto David, Why doth thy soul desire that I should do it for thee? Jonathan is saying, What do you want me to do? 5. And David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, when I should sit with the king to eat. So let me go, that I may hide myself in the field unto the third day at even, meaning evening. 6. If thy father miss me at all, then say David earnestly asked leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem his city, for it is the yearly sacrifice there for all the family. Now remember, David was born in Bethlehem. All of his generations were born in Bethlehem. That's why Jesus is going to be born there, because he's one of David's generations to come. David needs a sign from the Lord, and what it's going to be is, if Saul is upset that he's gone and not at Saul's feast, then David will know that Saul really does want to kill him. So he's saying, I'm going to stay away from the feast, and I want you to tell your dad that I had to go to Bethlehem for another feast. 7. If he say thus, it is well thy servant shall have peace. But if he be wroth, then know that evil is determined by him. David says, this will be the sign. If he's okay with me being in Bethlehem, then he's not trying to kill me. But if he gets angry when he finds out that I'm in Bethlehem, then you and I will know that he definitely wants to kill me. That will be their sign from the Lord. 8. Therefore deal kindly with thy servant, for thou hast brought thy servant into a covenant of the Lord with thee. But if there be in me iniquity, slay me therefore, for why shouldst thou bring me to thy father? David is saying, If I have sinned against your household, then you kill me yourself. But you and I have a covenant of friendship. Be kind to me, but if you know that I've sinned, then you should kill me. 9. And Jonathan said, Far be it from thee, for if I should at all know that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, then would I not tell thee? Jonathan said, I'm definitely on your side. If I find out, I will let you know. 10. Then said David to Jonathan, Who shall tell me if perchance thy father answer thee roughly? David knows that Jonathan and David can't be seen together because their father is going to have his people watching them. David says, you won't be able to see me face to face if your father does want to kill me. So how am I going to find out? 11. And Jonathan said unto David, Come and let us go out into the field. And they went out, both of them, into the field. 12. And Jonathan said unto David, They're in the field for privacy so that nobody can hear them. 
And Jonathan said unto David, The Lord, the God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about this time tomorrow, or the third day, behold, if there be good toward David, shall I not then send unto thee and disclose it unto thee? He's saying, I will let you know by the third day if my father wants to kill you or not. 13. The Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also, should it please my father to do thee evil, if I disclose it not unto thee and send thee away, that thou mayest go in peace, and the Lord be with thee, as he hath been with my father. Jonathan says, If my father wants to kill you and I don't get word to you about it, then may the Lord kill me. 14. And thou shalt not only while yet I live show me kindness of the Lord that I die not. 15. But also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. Now Jonathan is saying something really amazing here. He's saying, I believe that you are going to take the kingdom and that you're going to be the next king. And I want you to remember me in your kingdom. I want to be a part of your kingdom. Jonathan is prophesying the truth that David really is going to take the kingdom. And he says, I want to be your servant. Now at this point, Jonathan is the son of the king and he should be the heir. But he knows that that isn't the Lord's will for him to be the heir. He knows that God is going to give the kingdom to David. He is such a smart and wise man. Instead of lamenting and having a grudge because he'll never be king, he wants to be servant to the rightful king, who is David. Jonathan is extremely humble, extremely wise, and extremely God-fearing. He is one of the best men in the Bible. A normal man would have tried to assert his right to inherit the throne. But Jonathan isn't a normal man. Jonathan is a man of God, and he simply wants to fall in line with God's will, even though it will cost him a kingship. This is pretty awesome. Jonathan is saying, when you become king, let me and my family live. Typically, a king would kill all the sons of the king who he conquers. So technically, when David becomes king, he should kill Jonathan. But Jonathan is saying, spare my life. Let me live, and I will be your servant. 16. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. The Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. Jonathan is so incredibly wise because he knows that if he doesn't make a covenant with David, that he'll die and all of his descendants will die. 17. And Jonathan caused David to swear again for the love that he had to him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Both David and Jonathan really love each other, and they're both making sacrifices for each other. Jonathan is giving up his hope of ever being king, which wouldn't be a rightful claim anyway, but a lot of men would claim it nevertheless. Jonathan is giving that up, and David is giving up his right to slay the sons of the king who he conquers, even though that would be protocol. 18. And Jonathan said unto him, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou wilt be missed, thy seat will be empty. Because, you know, his father Saul is having a great feast, and David isn't going to be there. 19. And in the third day thou shalt hide thyself well, and come to the place where thou didst hide thyself in the day of work, and shalt remain by the stone Ezel. He's telling David, Go hide yourself in the field by the stone named Ezel. The name of the stone means departure, and this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the point where David departs the kingdom of Saul, because he is going to find out at this stone that Saul wants to kill him. 20. And I will shoot three arrows to the sideward, as though I shot at a mark. 21. And behold, I will send the lad, meaning a little boy who's supposed to catch the arrows. Go find the arrows. If I say unto the lad, Behold, the arrows are on this side of thee, 
take them and come, for there is peace to thee and no hurt as the Lord liveth. 22. But if I say thus unto the boy, Behold, the arrows are beyond thee, go thy way, for the Lord hath sent thee away. Jonathan is saying, You're going to be hiding by the stone ezel. I'm going to come out to shoot with my servant boy. I'm going to pretend that I'm aiming at a target and I'm going to shoot the arrows either on the side of that stone or beyond the stone. If I shoot on the side of the stone and then I call to the boy and tell him that the arrows are on the side, then you'll know that your life is safe and you can come back into the kingdom. But if I shoot beyond the rock and I tell the boy to go beyond the rock to find the arrows, then you'll know that you have to run for your life because Saul is trying to kill you. 23. And as touching the matter which I and thou have spoken of, behold, the Lord is between me and thee forever. The Lord will be our judge, that you are loyal to me, and I am loyal to you. 24. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon was come, the king sat him down to the meal to eat. 25. And the king sat upon his seat, as at other times, even upon the seat by the wall. And Jonathan stood up, and Abner sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. All of his chief men are there. His firstborn son is there, standing up by his side. And Abner is there, but David is not. 26. Nevertheless, Saul spoke not anything that day, for he thought something hath befallen him. He is unclean. Surely he is not clean. Saul thought that David had an accident, like a nocturnal emission. He touched a dead carcass, and he couldn't come to the feast. And when you're not clean, all you have to do is bathe and wait until sundown the next day, and then you'll be clean. So Saul is thinking, well, he's not here today because he had an accident, but he'll be here tomorrow. 27. And it came to pass on the morrow the next day, after the new moon, which was the second day, that David's place was empty. But the second day of the feast, David still wasn't there. And Saul said unto Jonathan his son, Wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to the mill, neither yesterday nor today? Now Saul knows it can't be an accident, because you can't have an accident two days in a row. That's not possible. 28. And Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. 29. And he said, Let me go, I pray thee, for our family hath a sacrifice in the city, and my brother he hath commanded me. And now if I have found favor in thine eyes, let me get away, I pray thee, and see my brethren. Therefore he is not come unto the king's table. Saul never wanted David to go back home, but the lie is that David's brother commanded him. And remember, David is the youngest, so all of his brothers are older than him, which means he has to obey what they say. 30. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said unto him, Thou son of perverse rebellion, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own shame, and unto the shame of thy mother's nakedness. This is a massive insult that Saul is giving Jonathan. He's saying, you have shamed your mother who conceived you, because she had to be naked to conceive him, right? You have put her to shame just by being born, because you are on David's side, and you're protecting him when you know he's going to take our kingdom away, and that will prevent you from ever being king. Now, in reality, Saul's wrong, because Saul's kingdom is doomed, and Jonathan has done the right thing, the smart thing, by siding with David, knowing that his kingdom is doomed, and the best he could ever hope for is to be David's servant. 31. For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the earth, thou shalt not be established nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he deserveth to die. Saul is commanding Jonathan, saying, You should want David dead, so bring him to me now, so we can kill him. 32. And Jonathan answered Saul his father, and said unto him, 
Wherefore should he be put to death? What hath he done? Jonathan is saying, David is innocent. 33. And Saul cast his spear at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to put David to death. Saul has even tried to kill his own son. He is such a liar because he says, you should want David dead so that you'll get the kingdom. But if Saul kills Jonathan, he won't get the kingdom anyway. It's obvious that Saul only wants David dead for his own personal reasons. And now he's shamed his son twice because first he insulted his conception and now he tried to kill him. 34. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and he should have been angry. He was insulted twice by his father and told twice that he should be dead and did eat no food the second day of the month for he was grieved for David and because his father had put him to shame. Jonathan did the right thing by not eating the meal and leaving. When somebody tries to put you to shame, don't continue being their friend. Don't continue eating with them. If they've rebuked you righteously, then repent. They're not evil. But if they have evilly tried to put you to shame when you did nothing wrong, then you need to get away from that person. What happens today is a lot of us are codependent. I used to be codependent. Even when people mistreat us and shamefully treat us, we still will eat with them and be their buddy. And we need to stop doing that behavior. That's wrong. It was just of Jonathan to leave the table. 35. And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little lad with him. So he did bring his servant boy. Why did he pick a little boy versus a man servant? Because the boy wouldn't have any awareness of what's going on. If he had brought a man with him to go get the arrows, the man would have figured out what was going on. The man would be tall enough to see David by the rock. And he would figure out that David and Jonathan were actually communicating secretly with each other. But a little boy who can barely see over the tall grass wouldn't be able to have any clue that Jonathan and David were communicating. 36. And he said unto his lad, Run, find now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. 37. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad, meaning he yelled, and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? 38. And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make speed, hasten, stay not. Now he's calling to the lad, but he's really calling to David, telling David to run. And Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. 39. But the lad knew not anything, only Jonathan and David knew the matter. 40. And Jonathan gave his weapons unto the lad and said unto him, Go, carry them to the city. So he gives the boy something to do to, to keep him away. 41. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of the place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times and they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. They're kissing on the neck. That's what Middle Eastern men do. 42. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. This is really sad because Jonathan says that their families are connected forever, and they are because they've made a covenant. However, the sad news is that Jonathan is going to die, and we'll see that in future chapters. But it was still a beautiful, righteous covenant, and now David and Jonathan are together in heaven because Jonathan died prematurely and never was able to enjoy being a part of David's kingdom. And that concludes 1 Samuel chapter 20.